Okay, let's go into your next patient. All right. Patient three is a 71-year-old female who presented with progressive shortness of breath and cough and back pain over the last few months. Prior to coming to medical attention here about a month and a half ago or so, she was you know, fairly physical. She walked a couple of miles a day. She had been a smoker, smoking about a half a pack of cigarettes a day over at least the last 30 years. Because of the severe back pain, she had an MRI of her back, which showed a T10 compression fracture, which appeared pathologic. And a subsequent CT of the body showed a left hilar mass with multiple pulmonary nodules and some hepatic nodules and a left pleural effusion. That was tapped and demonstrated some atypical cells, but was non-diagnostic for frank malignancy. She then underwent a bronchoscopy, and a very small amount of tissue was able to be obtained and morphologically appeared to be a small cell carcinoma. was not enough tissue really even to do immunohistochemical testing. We have a clinical trial in our office with figitumumab, and so she was being evaluated for that combined with standard therapy for extensive stage small cell lung cancer. Because of the clinical trial, they needed more tissue, so she had a liver biopsy, and that confirmed small cell, and they did all the immunohistochemical testing that documented small cell carcinoma. She had a very good performance status. She was ultimately excluded from the trial because her hemoglobin A1C was 5.8, and I think the cutoff was 5.6 or 5.7, and the trial was really unyielding in terms of allowing her on. So she's subsequently started with carboplatinum, etoposide, and zomata, and has had one cycle and is just about to begin her second cycle of therapy and tolerating it well. So Mark, before we talk about small cell, any comments on figatumumab? What is it and where is it heading? Well, figatumumab is an antibody to the IGFR1 receptor. I think that it was a couple of ASCOs ago where we first saw some data in non-small cell lung cancer, really spearheaded by the MD Anderson group, grafting two doses of figatumumab onto carboplatinum and paclitaxel. That was, at least at the higher dose of the antibody, 20 mg per kilogram, showed a positive impact in response as well as PFS in the non-small cell population, the response rates seemed to be most impressive in the squamous population, and therefore there was some level of enthusiasm for this drug, and it moved into phase three. And then this year at ASCO, Corey Langer and company presented some data on the phase three trial, and this was a large number of patients randomized phase three carboplatinum, paclitaxel, plus or minus this antibody to IGF-1R. And The initial announcement we heard about the trial was that there were some concerns about toxicity and treatment-related death rates on the antibody arm, and that trial was initially halted because of a safety issue. It was subsequently looked at in terms of a futility analysis and was subsequently formally shut down because the combination of safety as well as the futility analysis suggesting that there was absolutely no benefit in that population that was studied. So at ASCO this year, this agent took a bit of a hit, at least in non-small cells. And obviously, people are interested in understanding the nature of the toxicity as well as could you identify a population of patients based upon IGFR1 expression and those sorts of things. And at least my take on this antibody is that 
that trial may have been a lethal blow to the antibody in terms of the combination of uh, striking lack of efficacy as well as toxicity concerns. In small cell, it is true that if you look at the expression of IGFR1, it tends to be fairly high in small cell compared to other tumors. Now, whether or not that means it's important in the pathogenesis of the disease is another issue. You know, I do think exploring it in small cell is a reasonable thing as long as you select the patients well for safety concerns. Certainly, this patient that we saw today actually was a very good performance status patient. She was a pretty solid patient. And of course, I was seeing her after one cycle. And one of the things that we talked about was I tried to get a sense of just how ill she felt before the chemotherapy. And she did say that she was feeling a lot of malaise and a lot of fatigue and having some breathing issues and those sorts of things. And she was here for cycle two, day one. And she clearly said, I feel better. You know, there's no doubt that I feel better as a result of this. So I think she's probably having a response and feeling better because of that. And we talked a little bit about this is generally a disease that responds well. And we always don't necessarily get overly concerned about our patients going to respond. What we get concerned about is just the durability of that response Mm -hmm. and how long it's going to last. So... But she looked good today, and I think she was motivated to stay on treatment because she was clearly feeling better. You know, it's funny. We get a fair number of emails of people saying, you know, can you talk about small cell more? And yet usually when I bring it up, people don't have too much to say. Anything, particularly from the point of view of, you know, practical patient care, anything that's come out, Mark, recently that you think docs in practice should know about? Well, the short answer is no. I think an extensive stage disease, although many ideas have been tried, both from a cytotoxic point of view, dose-dense approaches, dose-escalation approaches using growth factors, adding a third or fourth drug, and although I guess you can find isolated phase two experiences that look promising, even some phase three experiences, there was a trial from the French that added cyclophosphamide and adriamycin to carboplatinum and etoposide and showed a survival advantage in that trial. However, there was also a great increase in toxicity. And I think the extensive stage small cell population as a whole is very toxicity sensitive. I mean, the patients are older. They're typically very heavy smokers. They typically have comorbidities and they don't tolerate toxicity very well. And just because you demonstrate a statistically significant survival advantage, it may not be clinically meaningful in the context of the toxicity that you may see. I think we all remember from a historical point of view when the Hoosier Oncology Group added ifosfamide to VP16 and cisplatinum years ago. It was a positive phase three trial, but didn't change practice at all because of the concerns of toxicity of ifosfamide added to that regimen, and it was not insignificant. So, you know, I think outside of a trial, we're stuck with either cisplatinum or carboplatinum etoposide. It remains the mainstay of treatment. It's what most people are grafting newer targeted agents on. We're actually looking at grafting a hedgehog inhibitor on carboplatinum etoposide in this population. So is there anything ready for prime time in small cell? I think the short answer to that is no, and we're all still kind of doing what we've been doing for 20 years in this particular setting.